Take your Bibles and go to Psalms chapter 2. You might want to put your finger in 1 Peter chapter 1 because I'm probably going to hit that real early and just uh, we got started to get into it this morning and I didn't, uh, that's really at the end of the message so didn't really have much there. So I want us to hit that again. But so uh, please, please write me, be right there. And so the title of the sermon this morning and this evening, the only this evening's part two is Aha! Gotcha. Okay. And so uh, uh, that's, that's what we're looking at here this evening. So let's just uh, read this, uh, hear the, the text in Psalms 2 first, and then I'll be going over pretty quickly to 1 Peter, but uh, then I'll come right back to Psalms 2. But um, it says there in verse 1, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them with sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Yes, we kind of see the first coming of Jesus in that, but we'll also see the second coming of Jesus here in this one psalm. And you'll see even, as we said this morning, when he said that um, the Lord, it's all capital letters, which means in, 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 in the Hebrew language, it was uh, Yahweh or Jehovah. And then the anointed was referring to Jesus Christ. So you had God the Father and God the Son involved in this. And, and we'll see more of that as we go on through this text of Psalms uh, chapter 2. But let's have a word of prayer. Father, I do thank you that you told us 3,000 years ago in this psalm about things that are going to be happening, not only in his first coming, but in his second coming. And Father, we thank you that your word is always accurate without fail. It always tells us the truth. So, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. Help me to be sensitive to that Holy Spirit. And I just pray that you would speak in me and through me, give me every word that you would have the folks to hear that are on live stream, that are watching us tonight, or those listening by WTYG, or those here in this auditorium. I pray thy Holy Spirit would give a deeper understanding of this passage, of this scripture, of this sermon, just saying to them and helping them to understand even more than I'm able to do. So I pray that you would do that at this time in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Okay, okay this morning, uh, we've got to looking at this uh, passage here, and we just saw some of the things that were going on today. Or 
really spoken of. And it's going to happen again. It happened in their day. And so uh, the problems in America, as I told you this morning, uh, I look at my own generation uh, that has dropped the ball. I mean, we uh, just dropped the ball. My generation, uh, we, we messed up. We we just um, somewhere uh, wanted to be relevant to the world instead of to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His Word, and it was just totally lost. I've said it before in here. I really, my wife and I met at Tennessee Temple College back in the 60s, and we remember what it was like. And boy, uh, supporting hundreds upon hundreds of missionaries. I mean, we, we're, we're supporting over 300 missionaries. Uh, what is it? 245 missionaries, so I say. But we, we were supporting supporting that many here, but they were supporting somewhere around five to 600 missionaries at one time. You could see churches all across the America and throughout the world, you could see where uh, missionaries and churches were being planted. Dr. Lee Robertson passed away. The generation that followed him says, we've got a better way. And now that doesn't, ex- the church just doesn't, exist any longer. It's not there. Even the buildings are being torn down. And so as you think about that and how that happened, I'm told now, I'm not on Facebook. I am not a social media person, okay? I've, I've, I've got better things than, than that. On, not, I'm not down on anybody that's on social media. That's just not me, okay? But I am saying this. I'm told and some people come and share it with me, social media, folks that went to those fundamental Christian colleges back then, were in those uh, fundamental Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches back then, that were winning souls, that were supporting missions around the world, were having souls saved and people baptized, and uh, on one after another thing saying, oh, how that church or how that college ruined me spiritually. And they're in the world and they're in everything that is wrong in this world, but they say the church ruined them. No, I think what was being preached identified them. It identified them. It revealed them. It revealed the true person. And so often that is what happens uh, when you get around the preaching of the Word of God. And so uh, we're looking at the fact that uh, a Christian's life should not be a contradiction to the word Christian. It should not be a, a contradiction to salvation. It sh- should not be a contradiction to the Word of God. That's when we went to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through uh, 17. Verse 14 said, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. That is, in your ignorance of salvation, your ignorance of holiness before your salvation, your ignorance of God before you were saved. All of that, that former ignorance. And now they are saying, we've got to be relevant to the world. What God saved them from, now they want to be relevant to. Don't fashion, and as I said this morning, the word actually there in in 1 Peter is not fashion, it's fashioning. 
The ing is important on there because it's showing something that is continual. It is a set thing that is going on, showing it's a continual uh, thing set in the heart. They're doing, they're always trying to adjust to the culture. One makes their relationship with Jesus Christ and brings it to the level of where they were before they were saved. They're fashioning. They were emulating other words. What they were before they were saved. But the difference is now is that they're adding uh, the name of Jesus to it to make it sound, well, this is all right if we add Jesus' name. That's like people having a getting together. They're shooting up cocaine and they're saying, well, you know what? We ought to have a word of prayer and give thanks for the cocaine before we do it. Well, it's just as dumb to do those other things to add Jesus' name to the filth that's going on in the churches and so forth. And so, again, uh, they want to incorporate those things with the church, but with Jesus' name. And that, my friend, is blasphemy. It perverts the worship of the holy name and person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ as does the immodesty that has come into the church with it, and other things that seek to make our Christian life, and make anybody's Christian life, appeal to the carnal and fleshly things of this life, instead of being in tune with the Word of God and the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, being Christ-like. And so, it is uh, written here, when, when he says this in this passage, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust. I, I, I'm not a big guy on, on, on Greek. They're, this, they're here in First Peter chapter 1. But I'll just say this, that that idea of not fashioning yourselves is a present participle in the Greek. And you say, well, boy, you're pretty strong in that, aren't you? No, I'm not. I do study. But I'm not. I am not an authority on it, okay? Did you take Greek in college? Yes, I took Greek in college. But am I an authority? No. No. Matter of fact, I was talking to someone not too long ago and said, uh, they, they had Greek as well. I said, can you still do the Greek alphabet? No, I can't either. I had to look at it. Remember now, I don't go... I mean, I can remember the American al alphabet. <laughs> but if you're asking me to do the Greek alphabet, I'm going to have a problem there, okay? But the present participle, uh, participle is a continuing action likened to a past action. So when he says not fashioning, he says, don't do that thing that you did continually in sin before your salvation. Don't start doing that, trying to make it spiritual when it's not. It's, it's an abomination to God. And that's what he's telling us in this passage. So, this began to introduce the churches in the last 40 years by doing this. And as I said this morning, parents, instead of protecting their children and leading them to these paths of righteousness and true holiness, they didn't keep them from those things that were leading them the opposite direction. And instead, we allowed it in their lives because they were adding Jesus' name. And 
as parents, people that should be in the Word of God, should be raising your children according to the Word of God. So therefore, you ought to be in the Word of God, thinking on the Word of God. And you've allowed those things which go against the Word of God, but because they've added God's name to it, and now my children want to go to church. They want to go to church where they don't have standards. They want to go to church where they don't have that, uh, instead of having that um, uh, hymn music and so forth, they have some music with some beat to it. Did you know Amazing Grace has beat to it? <laughs> All music has beat. But there's a difference between that beat and the devil's beat. You see, God's beat is so much different than the devil's beat. And they want the devil's beat in church. That's what they want. They want the devil's beat in church. And so they are uh, so happy that our kids are still going with Jesus. You know what most of those have found over the years? After maybe, maybe a couple of years, maybe even four or five years after graduation, they finally leave churches altogether. Even those, those new contemporary churches that were so cool. They have left it. They're not in church at all. And look, Jesus is offended when we offered corrupted worship. The Old Testament shows us that over and over again. And we see it in the New Testament as well. You see, that happened in the book of Malachi. And it brought destruction. It, it brought corruption throughout. All things of the church, the worship of God. Christian living, daily life, should measure up with verses 15 and 16 there of 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, which follow. But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now, that's not in your, just your talking, having a conversation with. No, it's the idea of your daily living, your daily life in all the things that you do. In all matter of conversation, whether it's on the job, whether it's at home, whether it's at church, or wherever you are. And verse 16 tells us why. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. God says, do it because I'm holy and I have commanded you. You know what that means? That means that when we that are saved, we're called before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. One of the things that we'll be judged on is, was our lives holy? Be ye holy, he said. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, you know, when he says, present your bodies, holy in the way you dress, holy in the way you talk, holy in the way you live, a living sacrifice. In other words, a sacrifice is something that's given to God. A living sacrifice. It's like the ox. Some oxes were put on an uh, altar and they were killed, offered as a sacrifice. Their blood was shed. But we are to be living sacrifices. As the ox, we pull the plow for the Lord, doing His will at the guidance of the husbandman, the Lord Jesus Christ, using His Holy Spirit to direct us in our lives. And so, we are going to be called, each one of us that are saved, I'm included in that. We're going to be called into an account at the judgment seat of Christ 
about holiness in our life and that we sell it for the fun of the worldly rock and standards to make us feel good. We will be called into an account and we will, that's why the Bible says First John chapter 2 verse 28, at that rapture, many are going to be ashamed. Some are going to have confidence, but there are those going to be ashamed at His appearing when we meet Him in the clouds. So, my generation dropped the ball on that. We allowed it to happen, allowed our kids to go that way, allowed others to go that way. We dropped the ball. So young people, I'm just appealing to you. Young adults, I'm appealing to you. Pick up the ball. A lot of us are seniors in here. We want to do what we can, but we can't do what we did 40 years ago. And there needs to be those that will pick up the ball and just say, I'm going to run with it. Even though the world hates me, the world will persecute me, the world stands against me. I love Jesus. I love my God. I love the fact that I'm saved. I love the fact that one day I'm going to be in heaven with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to finish well. And I want to have raised my family and trained my family in the way of the Word not in the way of a religious world that's gone crazy. And so fight the good fight of faith for God seeks to bring back holiness to his house. God still wants that. Well, we're living in a different generation. Don't you know that? Society is so much different. Society was different when the churches were planted in the New Testament. But they didn't go with society. They went with the truth. And that's what we're to do today. And God seeks to bring us back to holiness in His house and in our lives and in your future children. Now, you folks in my age group, you need to pray diligently as diligently as you've ever prayed for God to raise up young adults and young people that will pick up the ball that we dropped and carry it for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because we dropped it big time. Kings of the earth were told in this passage back in Psalms chapter 2. They were going to get together and plan against him. And you go on back to Psalms 2 if you want. Psalms chapter 2. But the kings of the earth back in the day of Christ's birth, uh, people were getting together against Messiah and they have all in all at his first coming. Psalms will, here in Psalm 2, it'll consider his second coming of Christ. At the second coming of Christ, we're not talking about the rapture. The rapture is not the second coming of Christ to the earth. Why? Because we're going to be caught up together to meet Him in the clouds, to ever be with the Lord. He's not touching earth then. We're being caught up to Him. The rapture is different than the second coming. But after the rapture, a tribulation is going to hit this earth that will begin when the Antichrist signs a covenant with Israel for seven years. 
And when that starts, that begins a tribulation period here on earth. It's at the end of the tribulation period that Jesus comes back and he touches this earth. That's uh, included here. So after the tribulation, he sets up his kingdom right there in Jerusalem. Now they tried to kill the baby Jesus as the people of earth in that day to come will get behind the Antichrist meeting with all the leaders to battle against him who appears in the clouds with the army of horsemen behind him. That is the saints. We will be on those horses behind him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We will be. And they all get together in an effort. Plan how they're going to destroy him. How they're going to destroy the Lord. You know, I would think somebody looking up the sky and seeing the clouds roll back as a scroll and Jesus sitting on a horse and all these armies behind him on horses and there's no motors. There's no wings. They're just there up in the skies. And they are looking up there and the Antichrist has these people that are just dumb enough to believe it because it appeals to their flesh. Hey, we got this. We got this. But they see them following them. But the Antichrist has convinced them they can do that. And he states they're going to try to do it. States here, they get together. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. The Christian Broadcasting Network, CBN, I just, I haven't got to read the article yet, but I, I want to read it very soon. I mean, I'll be reading it uh, this week, but I just thought just the title grabbed my attention. Christian persecution is growing and it's going to hit America. And I just saw that today. I, this is something I've seen for quite some time. No. I just saw it there today. I haven't read it yet. But it's coming. And it's not that I go along with Christian Broadcasting Network. I hope that what they say is right as far as being truthful. Not that it'll happen. I hope that the Christians aren't persecuted, but they will be. But understand, it will show those whose Christianity is a real and true and honest Christianity. That's what it will do. Verse 3 states they're, what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. They say, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Doesn't that sound like education in America today? Doesn't that sound like entertainment in America today? Doesn't that sound like media in today's society? Doesn't that sound like the liberal view in today's society? It is. Whether you will be honest enough to admit it or not, it is. But then verse 4 shows us something. God's reaction. 
when the Antichrist and the kings get together. They think Antichrist can overcome Jesus. Why? Because the two witnesses in Revelation 11 are sent by God. And boy, they're able to call fire down. They're able to do all these great things. You know, they're, they're able to do these things and people are miserable about it because they're doing things for the Lord. And the Antichrist thinks he's overpowered. God's allowed him to kill him. They're laying there in the street. And after about two or three days, uh, people are just rejoicing over it. Those international cameras and so forth, the satellites are showing everything to everybody in the world. They're rejoicing. They're sending presents to one another like they do at Christmas. Look what the Antichrist has done to them. And of course, the Bible refers to him as the beast more often than the Antichrist, to be honest with you. He says there's many Antichrists, but this world leader is called the beast. And he killed those two witnesses, but guess what? As the world is watching, those two witnesses arise, and after about two or three days, they arise, and they go up to be at the Lord right in their sight. And there's no denying it from that point forward. They do it. They preached it. Why? Because there will be people that can be saved in the tribulation period. Now, in, in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, uh, we have a lot about uh, the coming of the Lord. We have a lot about prophecy. But one of the things that is noted there is that uh, when He comes and calls us out to be with Him, there's some that will have heard the Word of God, heard the way of salvation, and they rejected it. They knew they needed to be saved. They rejected it. And they will not be able to get saved in the tribulation. There are people, there are people in the tribulation that will get saved. Why? Because they didn't hear the gospel. They weren't, uh, no one led them to the Lord that they might be saved. And so, those that knew and rejected it, they can't get saved in tribulation. But, there be many that are saved in, in the tribulation period. As a matter of fact, though, one thing that we find out about it, that why the world believes in this Antichrist, not only did he empower those two witnesses for a while, but we learned out something else about him, the Antichrist, that great deceiver, as he's a devil, Satan-empowered man, that in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, it says, and I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. Now, this is looking in heaven. This is looking at heaven. People that were killed during the tribulation for the cause of Christ. And he says, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. And for the word of God. Doesn't that tell you something? What is our duty? To be a witness of Jesus and to stand on the word of God and speak the word of God. Here are people in the tribulation period. You're not in that period yet. You're not there. But people will be put to death in that period that do receive Christ. 
and do begin to preach the word, and they'll be put to death for doing that. It says, the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image. There will be beast worship and there will be Satan worship in the tribulation period, by the way. Neither had received his mark upon their uh, foreheads nor in their hands. And they lived and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. Those people put to death during that tribulation. At the end of that tribulation, they're going to be given robes of righteousness, new bodies, and through that thousand year millennium, they are going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. You see, he can overcome the surrounding armies of heaven is what the beast thinks because he's put these people to death. He has beheaded them. Oh boy, he's had victory over them. Look what he did. And so verse 4 here of Hebrews says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. This is where he's saying, Aha, gotcha. There's, there's that Antichrist. There's Satan having his people laugh at God and laugh at the Christians that are dying. But now, when Christ appears, his is the aha. I got you. The context of this passage here. We're seeing it. Always remember, God, who ceases not, is still in control. God is still the sovereign of the universe. And I've told you many times, I'll tell you again tonight, the sovereignty of God means that God has a right to do whatever he wants with that which is his, and all things are his. He's the creator. Even our spirits, when we were conceived, even our spirits came from him. And so, he still reigns. He is still the King of Kings. He changes not. Their schemes seem to be powerful and deadly. But God will have them in derision. For Malachi 3.6 lets us know that God says this, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob, ye are not consumed. Christian, you backside to get away from God, and yet you're still alive, you're still going. That's because of the grace of God. And He's given you a chance to make it right. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 30, it lets us know this. There is no wisdom, counsel, nor understanding against the Lord. See, God laughing here, when Christ is laughing here, He's laughing after the matter that it is a holy reminder of their laughing at true Christians as they mocked and laughed at your faith and doctrine. Yes. 
entertainment, media, and much of so-called education scorns the Bible. They scorn Christianity. They scorn purity. They threaten to destroy us. They want to take our Bibles out of circulation. And yet not allow, even in this day, in some places, for anything of Christianity to be taught or preached from God's Word. They want to ban a witness. Prayer, as we said this morning, in front of abortion clinics, they don't even want them to pray. And they're not even talking to them, they're talking to God. And they are trying to restrict what is preached from God's Word, the absolute truth that it is. And they don't want it preached as it is to men as they are. They would want us to be fundamental and true to the Word, preaching it as it is to men as they are. Now, this preaching that is heavy against that that is unholy, that that is unrighteous, and it's against when we preach the truth as it is to men as they are from God's Word, it's against the socialistic doctrines that seek to make your children wards of the state. They laugh us to scorn in media and entertainment. And the courts and the legislatures rule against us as they seek to prevent ministry, to restrict our outreach. But now they are in derision because their contempt towards God. How ignorant for one to say, there is no God, or so despise Him that they tell people, God can do nothing. There is no God. Why are you so set on attacking God if you don't even believe He exists? I mean, really. Remember, Growing up, they'd have little programs on the Invisible Man. To be quite honest with you, I don't believe that there are invisible people that all of a sudden take a pill or get a shot of something and they're invisible and nobody can see them. That they're just as alive as you and I, walking in bodies and doing things, picking things up and so forth. There's a word for that, and it's called baloney. <laughs> you see, it just doesn't exist. God's laugh is in response to their scorning and belittling in their ignorance and powerlessness. But God's laugh is not laughing at the way they're trying to do it. His is an aha, I gotcha. He said, well, where do you get that? Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth 
shall well because of him. Even so, amen. See, man could not prevent the birth of Jesus Christ. They could not kill him as a babe. And they could not prevent the rapture. And later in his return in the clouds, and as they see him, and they make these plans to eliminate him and the people that are with him, they cannot do it. And they will see their Antichrist put into that pit for a thousand years, whereas the rest of them that are here to fight that battle at Armageddon will see the blood flow to the horse's bridle. And that space is a long space. It's been estimated around 200 miles long. Aha! Uh -huh. The clouds rolled back as a scroll. Their reaction, they call for the rocks to fall on them in Revelation chapter 6. Hide us from the face of him with whom we have to do. All of a sudden, they believe in God, but it's too late. One second after death, it's too late to get right with God, to get saved. And as a Christian, one second after death, it's too late to try to turn your life around. They want to be hid with him, from him, with whom they have to do, but they're still going to have to do with him. And so he says, then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them. He's going to torture them. He is going to really let them have it in his sore displeasure. Yet, God says, have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion? Remember, he's coming back. And, you know, in the Old Testament, they were talking about when Messiah comes. We see places in the New Testament about after Jesus there talking to his disciples before the crucifixion about Jerusalem being destroyed, but then coming back and, and a, a temple being built and all of that. And Jesus coming back as king of kings. Well, here's Psalms chapter 2, 3,000 years ago saying, then I'm going to set my king, that is his son, upon the holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. This time it's not talking about his birth as a baby. This time it's talking about the birth of his kingdom here on earth. Yeah. Ask of me. He's saying this to Jesus Christ, his son. Ask of me and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. You see, even in eternity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's working together. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them 
in pieces like a potter's vessel. And by the way, Revelation chapter 2, verse 27, Revelation chapter 12, verse 5, Revelation chapter 2, verse 27, Revelation chapter 19, verse 15 says, He's going to rule with a rod of iron. And that was already told, foretold here in Psalms chapter 2, in verse 9. Be wise now, therefore. O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Now remember, it's the kings and the judges and all these people come together to plot against God, just like they're doing today. They're plotting against God, plotting against Christianity, plotting against righteousness, trying to quiet it, trying to stop it. And so he says, O ye kings, serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Why with trembling? Because Jesus is on the throne. He's the ruled world ruler. Now they know it. There's no denying it anywhere in this world. Can they deny it? And he says in verse 12, kiss the son lest he be angry. What's he telling the kings? Tell him to go up there and start kissing on him. No. Where the idea there is kiss the son has the idea of worship. Go bow to Jesus Christ. Worship him. Lest ye be angry and ye perish from the way. They've just seen what happened to the Antichrist. They see what happened to all these people that died at Armageddon. They see everything that happened. They see these people that were beheaded for the cause of Christ now ruling and reigning with Christ. They're seeing all of that when His wrath is, is kindled but a little. Just think. All that outpoured wrath is just a little of the almighty outstretched arm of God. Blessed are they that put their trust in Him. Young adults, young teens, please pick up the ball that my generation dropped. Not please for America, but for missions worldwide as well. Baseball, they had an old saying. If you're going to go down, go down swinging. That wasn't talking about music, by the way. That was swinging the bat, trying to hit the ball and get one more hit in. Before you leave this life, go down swinging. Still speaking up for Jesus, speaking up for righteousness and true holiness, things that we'll be called into an account for. And being that witness and being a man or a woman of the Word of God. And seniors, I, you know, I'm 74, so I don't know how many days I have left. But I know I ought to go out, go out praying for God to raise them up. To empower them, to strengthen them, and give them the wisdom to walk in righteousness and true holiness. And seniors, that needs to be our prayer as well. That needs to be our prayer. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, this invitation, I've tried to 
say what it's going to be. I, Lord, it's just your words from the psalmist. I pray that Holy Spirit just really works in the heart and not allow this message to die in the heart and give him a better interpretation than I was able to preach tonight to understand God is calling them. He's calling them to pick up the ball of God and run for him. I pray that you'd give us those Young people, teenagers, young adults, and others that'll just pick up that ball. Give seniors that'll make this from tonight forward a daily prayer the rest of their life for God to raise up young men and women true to the Word of God, true to the faith, to doctrine, and service. Lord, help us to fulfill each of us the will of God in our lives. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.